0: Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a main machine, red and black. It's, it's a main machine, red and black. Hey! No.
1: What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike, back for another episode of the Nothing Finer Podcast. Once again, we are live on Millions, and speaking of Millions, we um, have the merch available. We've got a couple t-shirts, a lot of hats up right now, but we are currently actively in the process of working with Millions to get another t-shirt or two put out, so keep an eye on our social media for that. Um, So... This episode, we are doing the second annual Nuthies, is what we're calling them. Tried for a year to come up with a better name, couldn't really get one, so this is where we're at. Um, yep. But, we are giving out golden kegs tonight, because that, obviously there's nothing finer in the land than a drunk obnoxious George fans. For the Nothing Finer Awards, you know, we're uh, we're giving out some symbolic golden kegs. That's just how we're going to do it. Um <laughs> And I do want to apologize for episode coming out late. it be you guys probably be listening on Wednesday morning. Um, we both had some stuff come up over the last two days, mostly me. If I'm being entirely honest. Um, but this was the earliest we've been able to record. So, how was your weekend, and what are you
0: drinking?
2: Uh, just drinking water again. Uh, weekend was fucking great. Lions' first playoff win in 32 years, man. Let's go. It's been a it's been a great uh outside of georgia losing one game it's been a great two years of just football well, three years for football for me personally uh yeah. uh got to get to host tampa next week so I, I mean i'm feeling good about that i mean if we lose to baker mayfield that's it's gonna be an issue but beat him earlier this year so yeah I, I, my teams don't lose to baker mayfield all right um <laughs> uh but uh i mean outside of that uh not much How, uh how's it going
1: Good man. Um, this weekend, I went to a friend of mine who played in the uh, Savannah Open professional disc golf tournament. Kind um, mm. sort of an amateur tournament, like most of, all of the ones that he's ever played in. He played in a professional tournament. Mm. Um, it was cold. It was windy. Kind of sucked. Yeah. I walked with him. I like caddied him. Kind of helped him because the first first few shots he threw, it wasn't. It was he was nervous. It was yeah. not the normal disc he throws, it was not the normal line he throws, and I was like I had to almost shake him and be like, Yo, what the hell are you doing? Like This is a week. We played this course like two weeks ago and this is nothing like what you did. Come on now. <laughs> um, and then I went to ECHL All Star Fan Fest on Sunday. Um, waited in line for Hour and a half ish um, to see the Stanley Cup and then realize that we were another almost two hours of waiting in line away from seeing it. Um,
2: it's a big ask.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we just left. Um, it was supposed to be cool, but it was a two hour line to get player autographs or a three hour line to see the Stanley Cup or you could go ice skate.
2: Um. Well, you had to pay for that too though, didn't you?
1: No.
2: Oh, okay. No. Um,
1: cuz yeah, like it was just it was not fun. It was a clusterfuck.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but the way um, like the way I interpreted it cuz I wanted to go to the fan fest cuz I again, I'm a I'm a trophy whore and I just want to see all the trophies. Um, especially the Stanley Cup cuz that's one, that's the one I haven't seen besides the Lombardi trophy for obvious reasons. But um I thought you had to pay for, like, every single thing. Like, ice yeah. skating. Okay, so... okay, no, Once all-
1: you got yeah. in, you could see it. Um, okay. I also got pictures of the Kelly Cup, the ECHL MVP Award, the NHL MVP Award.
2: Oh, the Con Smythe?
1: Yeah, I got... They had, like, six trophies up there. Um, and the Stanley Cup. So I got pictures of all those. But on... Monday last night was the actual All Star game, um, and imagine what the NFL All Star game has become. But on ice, no one's really trying to play defense, even the goalies.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: the final score was eighteen to eleven.
2: Yeah, they do it like the all, the uh, All Stars versus the uh, the host team, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, so. So they, they beat an expansion team in their second year of existence. Yeah. It was close. Yeah. Seven goal game.
1: Um, Yeah, but Savannah won all the skills competitions. They did a uh, fastest skater doing a lap around the ice. Savannah player got that in 12.9 seconds. They did um, hardest slap shot. Savannah player had a 96-mile-an-hour slap shot golly yeah um they did most accurate and it's they put a target in each corner of the goal Mm -hmm. and the person had 30 seconds to hit all of them but whoever hit it fastest won uh savannah player hit all four targets in 3.7 seconds damn um yeah so they won all of the skills competitions which tells me if your players are fast as hell shoot really hard And shoot really fast and accurately, and you lose this much, it's the coach. Mm -hmm. Because if your players don't just have the basics down, but excel at the basics and lose more often than they win, it's probably a game plan issue, right? Like, I'm not crazy?
2: Probably. I don't, you know, I like hockey. I like watching hockey, but if you were to ask me like strategy and stuff, I don't know. I've watched him my whole life. I, I can't begin to tell you. I just like watching people get hit and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So
1: if, you, if you're not real familiar with hockey, Savannah's game plan, Um, remember like prime Spurs teams from a few years ago, like when Pop was cooking, they went to the finals like every other year. And mm-hmm. you know how they were like the best passing team in the league? Like yeah. it would just be pass, 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 find somebody open, take a shot. Mm-hmm. Savannah does that on ice. But they never take a shot.
2: So nothing's changed from last year then?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, except they're a lot more physical this year. Okay. So they'll just check the shit out of somebody and mm-hmm. there's one less person by the goal, so they score.
2: There we go. Okay.
1: So They score <laughs> right. more this year, but mm-hmm. they've passed too much. Like the average power play, they'll get two shots on goal.
2: That's ridiculous. I mean, so again, yeah. not not a hockey not a hockey strategist or anything, but you got to just shoot the fucking puck. You can't score shot. without <laughs> shooting. That's the goal of literally. That's the yeah. goal of the whole fucking thing. You want to score, and don't let the other team score. More shots on goal gives you more opportunities. Yeah. Crazy. I,
1: I mean, Savannah finished the season last year winning like twenty 21- one. Of their 50 games.
2: Um, Which, honestly, I mean, your first year of, of, of being a franchise is not bad. And you fed into worse. the Stanley Cup champion, yeah.
1: But they did, they had a goalie for 70% of the season that finished the hockey season on the Stanley Cup winning roster.
2: Mm-hmm. Like Seville?
1: Seville was so good in the ECHL that he got called up to the AHL. Like Savannah lost multiple one nothing games last season, hmm. and then he got called up from the AHL like a, three or four weeks later to the NHL, and got a title with Vegas. And you let that goaltender lose one one nothing games? Like what? Come on now!
2: Disgusting. Disgusting yeah.
1: Um, but as far as what I'm drinking, I am. I don't know if that sound made it across. That was cork coming out of a bottle. Ooh, okay. So I am back. I'm starting with some low proof stuff. Just got some regular Buffalo trays. Um, nice. But after physical therapy had me at tears at 8 a.m. today, um, I deserve something for myself.
2: I
0: agree.
1: And then I have to do more physical therapy when we get out of here. I've got to do my own exercises. So.
2: How many uh, how many days a week do you have PT? 2
1: Twice. Twice a week. Okay. And I got to do stuff at home every day.
2: So, Tuesday, Thursday?
1: Um, Tuesday, Friday. Oh, okay. I work Friday, so I try to schedule as much for Friday as I can.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's my off day, so I try to give myself no free time.
2: <laughs> Naturally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so, we're going to go... Actually, before we get into the awards, I, you know... We pissed a lot of people off last week um, with our with our um, Mike Bobo thing, and you know, I just I have a message that I feel like I need to uh, to send out about that. Um, so here it goes.
0: I just want to say from the bottom of my heart,
1: I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. And if Mike didn't hear that, um, you'll hear it tomorrow. It was a soundbite.
2: bite uh, Is it does it have something to say something to do with saying fuck you?
1: Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You'll hear it tomorrow. Okay, um, cool, cool. But yeah, if you don't like the fact that, you know, by every quantitative piece of evidence that you can find, Mike Bobo was a better offensive coordinator than Todd Munkin was last year. Hmm. Tur- I- don't hit your Georgia stuff to somebody that actually likes the team.
2: Right. I'm just,
1: just going to say it. Because you obviously just want to find something to complain about.
2: On a team that has very, very little to complain about pretty consistently. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Like, And we talked about it last week. Was the game plan in the SEC championship game good? No. No. I'm not even going to try and say it was an okay game plan. It wasn't good. There, there's, There's no two ways around that. Mm -hmm. but to say that someone is not good at what they do when they missed one out of 14 times. um, If, if a, uh, if a major league baseball player went 13 to 14, one season and in the hall of fame.
2: Yeah. Right. um, Over like a month, like this entire season. Like that's, yeah. yeah.
1: If, if Tiger Woods hit 13 of 14, 50-foot putts, he, it, like everyone would go nuts. It would be all over the place. Mm-hmm. So having one miss out of 14 games, suck it up, guys.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't even like they got blown out. It was, again, a three-point game. It wasn't all the offense. We, 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 we've talked about that a ton, but stop hating Mike Bobo like that.
1: Yeah. This, we're finally over the God dang it Bobo comments. Like,
2: yeah. Come on now. We're, yeah. We're, we're, we're way past that at this point.
1: Yeah. We, we realistically that those are a decade old. Come on now.
2: Mm-hmm. Like we, we, st- again, we, we started the season wanting Bobo to have like, you know, a, like a toss sweep or like eye formation up the middle just to get it out of the system and just piss off all the people that were already going to be mad about it. But he yeah, ends the
1: season with those against yeah. Florida State and scoring points off of them. So
2: It's amazing what happens when you uh, you have better players, too. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, we are going to go ahead and get into the second annual Nothing Finer Awards here tonight. I'm going to start with Offensive Freshman of the Year, and so just like last year, I'm I had a nominee, Mike had a nominee, and then we came together and talked about it and uh, decided on a winner between the two of us. So for my nominee, I have Lawson Lucky. And yeah, you can look at the stats. And um, he didn't have a ton of stats. I think he had two or three catches on the season, one touchdown. Mm -hmm. But a true freshman stepped up when Oscar Delt was asked to fill Fill Brock Bowers' shoes. He's still a few sizes too small, but we'll—he's working on it. Yep. We're trying to grow them feet. Um, but Lost and Lucky was called in to Oscar Delp's role of, hey, you facilitate the run game. Whether it's blocking in line, blocking out of the slot, blocking out wide, your job for the next three to four weeks is to just block the hell out of anybody in your way. And he did that at a level that you don't expect out of a true freshman. Like Brock Bowers did not block at that level as a true freshman. And I feel like that can't be said enough. Um, So yeah, I mean, he he was asked to step up into a position that most people wouldn't be ready for. He did really well at it. And, you know, he was rewarded at the end of the season with his first touchdown.
2: Mm -hmm. And he... And we were big on him again, going all the way back to uh, the G day game. Like we, he was one of the breakout stars of that uh, particular thing, along with uh, Makai Muse. But um, yeah, I mean, he's gonna have a big season next year. He's gonna be one of the prime breakout candidates for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: And then, uh, so my my nominations for offensive lineman Ernest Green. So, um, at first I had written down uh, Cass Jones. But he's not a freshman, Cash Jones. Yeah, no, uh, I think he's
1: like a fifth-year senior this this upcoming
2: yeah. season. So he, so technically, he was a redshirt sophomore. So like it was his third year um, on the team. I think I don't know if he's scholarship yet or not. I have no idea. But he, uh, I mean, obviously, he played a pivotal role at times uh, this year, especially with the running back room being hurt. But I think the most fair one is Ernest Green, uh, first team freshman All-American by the Athletic, first team uh, All-SEC freshman. Uh, for the uh, for the conference as well. I mean, dude was solid all year. Um, yeah. on a team that didn't ha- necessarily have a ton of like, uh, producing freshmen. I mean, freshmen have played you know across you know the season, especially in blowouts and things like that. But for someone as pivotal as the position oh, yeah. that he played on the offensive line, like he was, he was very, very, very important uh, in the uh, success of the team this year. So I, I would have to give that to Ernest.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's hard to argue against that. I mean, what, what he was able to do as a true freshman on the offensive line, in the hardest position on the offensive line, with mm-hmm. constant injuries to pretty much every other player at certain times throughout the season. I mm-hmm. mean, he was really the only guy that started every game. Everybody else had injuries.
2: So And we were and we were super excited you know, going back to spring game and all that, like when we previewed that with uh with Candler on we were excited to see what Ernest Green would be and he he lived up to the hype too, so, yes. We're good.
1: So we do have a drum roll sound before we Ooh. announce the winner. I know. Okay. I'll put in some work today. So, oh damn!
0: <laughs> Ernest
1: Green won <clears throat> the golden keg for offensive freshman of the year, and his is filled with uh, sparkling apple juice or grape juice, his choice. Um, because he cannot a drink yet.
2: I was gonna say he can't get alcohol, especially in Athens as a football player. No, no way.
1: Absolutely. No, you no can't do that. <laughs> Athens is a straight and narrow town. Mm-hmm. If you have a fake ID, it's, it gets confiscated everywhere.
2: And you get a yeah. You're thrown the slammer immediately. We don't have time for that. Yeah. What else?
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, Ernest Green. Uh, we we kind of already touched on all of this stuff, but. You know, I I don't think he's necessarily gotten the or recommenda- er, recognition that he deserves for what he did this season, like we talked about with the awards. But also, you know, just once again, he was the only guy that started every game this season because everybody else got hurt at some point or another. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, out of a true freshman, you couldn't ask of anything more, but you also wouldn't have even asked of what he gave you from a true freshman.
2: Yeah, when you were talking about the injuries, too, I mean, that's another thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough is, especially in the offensive line, like you, with all the different stuff coming on around you and all the different responsibilities, having like a rotating, you know, carousel of guys around you that you know, do different things uh, better or or differently and all that, uh, it makes it all the more impressive that he was able to be, again, as consistent as he, uh, as he had, be, had been his freshman year.
1: Yeah, and good news is um, without a transfer, there's two more seasons to earn this cream.
2: Hell yeah, let's go.
1: Um, so, we're going to move on to defensive freshman of the year. Um, so, I've got Christian Miller. Uh, we talked a good bit about how this particular season's D line didn't live up to the legendary status of the last few, but what we saw in Christian Miller. Should have y'all just as excited as I am. Um, I think he's in the same vein of explosive interior defensive lineman as Jalen Carter is. I mean, you saw him putting grown men, grown men, SEC offensive linemen on skates as a true freshman at multiple times this season. Every time he was in the game in a pass rush situation, he exploded off the ball. Um, You know, pretty much everybody he played against felt his presence at some point or another. And I think he's got a very, very bright future ahead of him in Athens.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and coaches always talk about the biggest jump that a player takes is from their freshman, to sophomore year, or their first or second year in the program. And I think we're going to see a big, I mean, great freshman year, but it's going to be even better going forward. So, looking forward to it. And then, as far as my, my nomination, it's going to go to C.J. Allen. I don't – I think – you know if we've you know everyone's heard us talk about him quite a bit so it goes out saying that he should be well, at least one of the names mentioned for this uh he came in for a uh uh pop what midway through the season when he broke his forearm and really didn't miss a beat and I've and, you know at times and you know improved the uh the uh, skill level of that position in the middle of the field uh 41 tackles or 41 total tackles in the sack he did have some hiccups in pass coverage but Again, true freshman, some that you would uh, come to expect a little bit. He got picked on at times a little bit, but like, toward the end of the season, he was not a liability at that. End. In fact, he was an improvement over Pop in pretty much every area except for probably leadership, because obviously Pop, that was what his junior, senior year in the program. So,
0: yeah.
2: Um, and he was, you know, all American on some on you know, some different like publications and things like that in the preseason. So for you to do that and basically force an All-American type guy to transfer somewhere else is insane as a freshman. So a freshman. yeah, true, true freshman. Um, so in yeah. The I'm same,
1: In the same linebacker room, in the same linebacker class as Todd Bowles' son.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: and you're insane. the guy
1: that got the start.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they, they don't – okay, so we talk about nepotism at uh, at UGA with all the different uh, coaches, kids, and things like that. But, again, Todd Bowles over there doing his thing in Tampa. Jackson, Jackson Muschamp had to wait to get into the game, and the Orange Bowl until, like, the very end. So whoever the best player is, you're going to play.
1: Yeah. Um, I wonder if the Buccaneers avoid taking any George players because Troy Bowles didn't play this season.
2: <laughs> Show them. <laughs> Would you uh, want to go it's... to Tampa, though?
1: You're probably not going to like this. I Because of the weather and the city itself, I'd rather go to Tampa than most NFL te- teams and cities.
2: They would be like my third Florida team that I'd want to go to. It's too like, close to Orlando. I, I would rather go to Jacksonville before Tampa. Then Miami would obviously be number one. but
0: Oh,
1: not for me. I've been to all three cities a decent amount of times. I prefer Tampa. Tampa has better strip clubs than both of the others, and you don't have to spend two thousand dollars just for a drink in a Tampa mm. strip club.
2: But it's too, my my only problem with it is it's too close to Orlando. I just again I four we, we we've talked about it in our You're an hour uh, and a half talk.
1: away. You have no reason to leave Tampa. It's not not like the team drives to Orlando to fly out. Like they fly out of Tampa.
2: No, no. But Orlando's a hellhole. But again, they don't have the team. So, you know, you're right. You're right. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's Tampa. I don't know. It's just, it seems like a very fair weather sports city, which again, if you're a professional, that should be great because nobody gives a shit unless you're my call stop. Um,
1: Yeah, that's oddly the second time I've heard his name mentioned in the last two days.
2: He's the, when you think about the Tampa Bay Bucks, it's, it's 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 Mike Allstott, a big cliff, and then maybe Tom Brady or, like, what, Rondé Barber or something like that. I don't know. Uh,
1: the guy I was talking to yesterday, I was talking to somebody at the All-Star game that runs, like, a traveling sports booth for part of the year. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, like, six months ago, I sat down and had, like, a 30-minute conversation with Mike Allstott. He signed a bunch of stuff for SSL. Hell,
2: yeah. There you go. It's
1: like, What?
2: <laughs> he's the only fullback most, most people can name
1: um, I got two more for you Corey Schlesinger nope oh. Kuhn from yeah, the Packers
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: then uh, Juszczyk from the 49ers
2: well I only know his name because of the jacket thing
1: oh, I've known his name for a long time because fun fact if you're in a uh, fantasy league and the 49ers would play in a team with a good run defense. Pick mm. up, just just get the waiver on use check for the week because he gets a lot of fullback slants.
2: Noted. And they play
1: teams okay. with good run defenses. Just, just throwing it out there.
2: Interesting. Okay. All right. I can't um, spell it. But I'll take your word for it.
1: Hey, just Kyle J. Polish spelling, and you'll it'll pull up
2: best Polish, Polish players in the NFL. It's just him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so winner of defensive freshman of the year. (laughs) CJ Allen. I, I, I don't know if anybody was surprised by that. We love CJ Allen on this show. Mm -hmm. Um, both as a person and as a player, I think he's going to do great things moving forward. And just like we talked about with Ernest Green, two more years.
2: Two
0: more years. Two (laughs) more years.
1: Yeah. Uh, Offensive player of the year. And this is anybody, everybody is open for this award. Um, I've got Cedric Van Pran. Probably not a top five name most people would think about in this situation. But I I think it's real easy argument. He's one of the one of if not the best center in all of college football this past season. Um, didn't have to come back this year. He was already looked at as a first center taken in the draft last year. Came back, um, and he just got better between his uh, junior and senior years. Um, PFF grade. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, sure. 78.2, top-rated center in college football this year, according to Pro Football Focus. He, pay, he played 868 snaps this season.
0: Damn.
1: Zero sacks allowed, zero quarterback hits allowed, zero for tackles for loss allowed. And, you know, he was out for, I think, one whole game, maybe a half here and a half there. But he he was the leader on the offensive line. He was the glue that held it together, whether you had um, Ernest Green, Dylan Fairchild, him, and whoever hey. it was on the right, because that was you know getting rotated quite a bit with the injuries of Tate Ratledge and Amarius Mims. He was the guy holding it together, pointing out all the different blitzes and coverages and everything that they had to do. I think that Cedric Van Pran is probably going to be one of the guys that Jordan misses the most coming into next year and won't get talked about near enough.
2: Um, if I could do a future on where uh, SVP will go, it's got to be Philly with uh, Jason Kelsey retiring. It's got to be. Ooh, late
1: first round could, oh, late first-round pick?
2: Could be. Could be. They love, as we know.
1: They love Georgia players, but yeah. also – is Cedric Van Pran going to be there at the end of the
0: second
1: round? Uh, Centers have started being taken higher and higher.
2: Yeah, there's occasionally. Yeah, that's a good point. It might have to. I mean, well, no. So
1: everybody watched the Rose Bowl. They're like, dude, we need somebody that snaps the ball correctly.
2: You know what's really an underrated important thing is being able to get the ball from the, the, the center to the quarterback. Very underrated. It's not talked yeah. about enough. Yeah, Yeah. okay. But, yeah, if I could do a future on him going to Philly, I would do that right now, whatever the odds are, do it. Um, All right, but my uh, Offensive Player of the Year, we talk about him a lot this year, obviously, because he plays the most important position on the team. That's quarterback, Carson Beck, uh, in his junior season, first year starting. Numbers again, he was just shy under 4,000 yards passing, 3,941, 72.4% completion percentage. Uh, 10 yards per pass attempt, 24 touchdowns, six picks. And again, most of those picks weren't really his fault. There were a lot of deflections and stuff like that. He made like one or two really bad throws um, that ended up getting picked off. But arguably the best individual year um, at quarterback in Georgia history, and that includes Stetson Bennett in 2022. Uh, we talked about that in the last episode. You brought up all the stats and did the side-by-side when uh, when you talked about Bobo as well. But... Um, at worst, he led the second-best offense in uh, team history. And, again, I think we would probably say it's probably the best or at least a very, very good argument that it's the best yeah, offense. One A, one B. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to pick. But, uh, yeah, mine would go to Carson for uh, offensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, Carson ran off a guy that's going to start for another SEC school. like,
2: And B play really fucking well. Yeah. A really. A really good quarterback. I was, yeah, yeah.
1: We will miss Brock Vandegrift. We will not talk trash about him whatsoever, even Kentucky mm-hmm. week. Wait, Georgia doesn't play Kentucky this year.
2: No, they do. They do. They're, oh, I think no, the Kentucky's
1: game. the permanent rival. Mm. The one they talked mm. about being one of the permanent.
2: Oh, did they? They. Yeah, it uh
1: Florida, Auburn, Kentucky.
2: Oh, okay. I for, Yeah, they. Uh, they. That's their first SEC game. I believe is against Kentucky, or is at Kentucky their first road game.
1: All right, I gotta look it up. I know it's, it's early
2: because normally that game is one of the last SEC games, and it's like super early this year.
1: Georgia, Florida, Auburn, Kentucky. So Georgia will play Kentucky for the rest of Brock Vandegrift's career.
2: Right on. Mm, All right.
1: So the winner is. Carson Beck. Once again, not not really much of a surprise to a lot of people. I just wanted to shine some light on Cedric Van Praan because I do think he was a hell of a player this year and he will be missed. Um, but yeah, no, Carson had a phenomenal season and uh, you'll have to excuse our soundboard issues. I've been working through these for like three or four weeks now and finally got back to a point of where I could actually get the soundboard <laughs> up and now it's just like a four-second delay. So... It's all good. Could could be worse, you know. We could just have the constant echo that no one heard because we had to start episodes five or six times recently. Yeah. Yeah, y'all are lucky you didn't hear that. It was it was awful. It would just the computer would echo back through the microphone for whatever reason, and it would sound like you're yelling into a cave with music in the background. (laughs) Yeah. Defensive player of the year. I've got one of my favorite players. We talked about him quite a bit. Our um, our listener from Denver asked us to talk about him quite a bit more. Um, and that is Ty Key Smith. I think you would be hard-pressed to find a better star defender in the country this season. Uh, 70 total tackles led the team. Two sacks, four interceptions. He was a ball hawk this season. Whether it's pulling the ball away, getting it out of the air, getting tips, all of the above. He was all over the field. He was this year's, one of my favorite terms in football, he was this year's human eraser. If somebody made a mistake, he was streaking across the field and erasing that mistake. Um, He excelled in every type of coverage, man zone, combo. He was great. Blitzer allowed a passer rating of 58.5 when he was directly targeted in man coverage. Just phenomenal player, former All American. Didn't get it this year, but I think he should have um, second team All American this year. I overlooked that part. So, Ty that's K-Smith. just through
2: CBS, though.
1: Yeah, I'm, what is the real All American?
2: I I don't know, Okay. but yeah, that's just that's what that's the uh, information I got from the uh, UGA athletics page. Is the CBS one. So I don't know what what publications we're taking seriously or not. I guess CBS is one. Um, and I'll take it. He should have been consensus across everything. But, you know, we're obviously a little, little bit biased there.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was a freshman All-American at West Virginia. I mean, he's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Dealt with two years of injuries. Came back. Had a phenomenal season just before he gets to go off to the draft. I wish Tyke the best of luck.
2: He's a damn good dog, sure. Uh, so, my pick will be Malachi Starks, super sophomore. Well, it is a second year, so not like a super senior, but sophomore uh, Malachi Starks, 52 tackles in total, seven passes defended, three interceptions, and he was a 2023 consensus All American first team uh, player. So, I mean, everybody recognized how great he was. I mean, from the moment he stepped, you know, on the field against Oregon last season, well, 2022, you know, all the way through this season. I mean, the dude's been incredible. I mean, he's earned everything that he's uh, he's gotten so far and he's going to have a even bigger junior year next year. So I mean, he's again, just like Tyke Smith, he was an eraser. He, he did everything at like, that was asked of him, uh, especially as a, again, still a pretty, you know, fairly uh, football young guy. Uh was able to, you know, do some great things and that was going to be a big part of this defense next year too.
1: Yeah, uh, we got at least one more year of Malachi, and I don't know any Georgia fan that's upset about that, which is surprising because they like to be upset about everything.
2: I'm Well, I'm sure we can find one. That will be my goal over the next week.
0: <laughs>
2: Are you kidding me? Fucking Malachi Starks is coming back. You got to be shitting me.
1: Fuck. I bet if we look hard enough, we can find somebody.
2: Yeah. This guy, just pointing out all the hate, all the little things he may have done wrong because, you know, consensus All-American.
1: Um. You know, this is going to be our first honorable mention, but it, man, I probably sat there for 30 minutes debating this, looking up both guys. Smile Mondin. It, yeah, that was it my other was one. really, like, Tykey edged him out just because Tyke's going to the draft this year, if I'm being entirely honest. That's mm-hmm. how close it was between the two guys for me. I think Smile's a hell of a player. I, you know, at this point, he can't break out he can't yeah. like if this was a ranking of guys that excelled in their position this season, he's third at worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so just want to give him a shout out because he did. I think he both or missed our both of our cuts by just like a hair.
2: Yeah, he was he was the guy I was gonna put before uh before I settled on Malachi. Which when I say settle, it's not like. <laughs> Yeah. not any of that. It's not they like all- you're
1: settling on a Geo Metro because you don't have any money. It's like... Right. Yeah.
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: All right, so for the 2023 Defensive Player of the Year, Tyke Smith has won yeah. the Golden Keg. Um... I mean, I don't even think we took into account that he was leaving in our conversation. It's just star defender, nickel corner, nickel safety, whatever you want to call it, is I think it's probably the hardest position on defense to play. And yep. he led the team in tackles. His exactly. his his, uh, his job every single play was pass and run defense. And he did it extremely well. So, I think that's why we both picked Tyke Smith. Um, hate that he's going to the NFL, but love it for him.
2: Absolutely. He's going to kill it wherever he goes.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, play of the year. Not player, but play. Um, and we're doing regular season this year because there was two postseason games to choose from instead of three, like, last year. (laughs) Um... But play of the year, I've got Big Nas picking off Brady Cook when it was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter against Mizzou in that game. Um, I mean, Mizzou was right around the 50, and I said it during the week. I was like, if you get pressure on Brady Cook, if you start to hit him, he will make mistakes. Play before that, or a couple plays before that was a sack, Next thing you know, boom. Big Nas gets that interception. If not for a terrible flag thrown on that play, that was almost a thick six. Our guy, Big Nas, almost had a touchdown, and that is my play of the year just because of the moment.
2: And so mine oh what one thing before we go on to my my pick. I didn't realize Brady Cook had another year of eligibility. Like he's back <laughs> this year. I thought he was this is like his eighth year.
1: Hey, you can't kick the cook out of the kitchen. Come on now.
2: No, no, we gotta let Brady cook. Um, all right, so my pick, play of the year, going all the way all the way back to the Kentucky game, first night SEC game they had in a long time. Uh ra Thomas, that touchdown catch when it was seven nothing. Initially, they called it incomplete, and then they, you know, looked at it for a good ninety seconds. They're like, no, holy shit, he got that. right foot down
0: yeah
2: I mean really it was incredible like you you really had to watch it in like super slow motion to realize what you just saw
0: oh
1: yeah and so that play happened on the sideline that we're closest to like we're almost looking straight down that sideline from the third level Mm -hmm. and right after the play I was like damn that was almost a great catch like from the eye I was like ah damn that was close yeah, and they were reviewing it, and I was like, "What?" They put it on the big board. I was like, "Holy shit!" He actually mm-hmm. did that.
2: That was a hell of a first career touchdown on the team, too. Oh yeah, that that made a fucking impression. So yeah, yeah, that was that was impressive for me. I love I love that. That's on the highlight reel for the year for sure. Obviously, since we're talking about it.
1: Yeah, um, I still do need to work on getting a um, 2023 season. Uh, play call together for the out sound. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you listen to some games on the radio this year or have a favorite play that you remember being called on CBS, whatever channel it was on at the time, send me um, the play around what time of the game it was. And I will clip that out for this year's out sound. I didn't listen to any Scott Howard radio calls this year. I'm a terrible person. So if you did, let me know, and I would love to. Uh, I'd love to be able to find those and put them in for the out sound. But the winner of play that goes to Big Nas and Azir Stackhouse picking off Brady Cook. I think it just came down to the moment, that close game in the fourth quarter, Mizzou driving the ball, and uh, big time players make big time plays. Big Nas coming back this season. Real excited about that with what the defensive line's capable of looking like next year. Um that was just an awesome play. Really, I mean, once again, play of the play of the regular season came down to the Mizzou game.
2: Yeah. Absolutely the most most important home game of the year.
1: Last year it was uh Malachi Starks running down. The running back, right before he went into the end zone, holding him to three points this year. It's uh big Niles with that interception,
2: the almost thick six. The stadium oh. would have exploded if that would have happened. I, I, that's a moment that we missed out on.
1: It, it already exploded when he got down to like the two,
2: yeah. But Ugh.
1: man, and it, it doesn't hurt this, uh, the, the doesn't hurt that. No. After after the game, they asked him what he was thinking. And he was like, man, I'm big as hell. I got a lot of meat to move when I run with my knees high. I, could, I was tired. <laughs> big guys everywhere love you, Big Nas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Breakout player of the year. And this is a guy that – this isn't freshman. This is just a guy that didn't have a huge impact in the 2022 season. That had an impact this year. Um, For my guy, C.J. Allen. um, I mean, for all the reasons that Mike said a minute ago, I've talked about it multiple times this year when I sent him a message, you know, about how much my nephew looked up to him being from that same area. And, you know, he shared that story with all of his followers on social media. C.J. Allen will always have a special place in my heart unless he goes to Alabama and does broken hearts in the end zone.
2: Um, Punches women, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Punches women, does broken hearts in the end zone, all that kind of stuff. But there's no way he's going to do that. He was no. raised right. Um, CJ Allen is my breakout player of the year.
2: It's tough to argue with, but I'm going to give it give it a try. So <laughs> my uh, my candidate or my nominee is Dylan Bell. I, I talked about him right before the season started as like breakout candidates, and he. Must have heard what I said. It took him a little bit to get to that point. Uh, he was used all over the place, and I'll get to that in a second. But um, he did it. He was a breakout guy. Uh, for me, 29 catches as a wide receiver, 355 yards, two touchdowns. Um, as a running back, 25 carries, 157 yards, about 6.5 yards per carry and a touchdown. And then as a pass thrower, one of one – or quarterback. One of one, touchdown for 18 yards against Tennessee – and then just the you know little sprinkle on top seven kickoff returns for 160 yards including a 39 yard return that he had um and we were talking about it before we got got on all of the, all of those stats were important for the season like it there wasn't like empty calories so to speak it wasn't during blowouts or, or you know when you know georgia was up big or anything like that it, it was all very very meaningful and important yards and touchdowns and all that especially that tennessee game where he just yeah. showed out yeah. um so he, and again, the be, maybe the best part about it is he's only going to be a junior next year. He, This is his true sophomore season. He's got at least one more year, if not two. So uh, again, Dylan Bell is my, uh, my breakout player of the year.
1: You know what? I think we're going to have to change. Last minute change. Who gets
2: this Uh-oh. one? Okay.
1: I think we're going to have to. There were were too many good points made. So, for the (laughs) 2023 Breakout Player of the Year. Dylan Bell. Um, We were, I'm going to be honest, we were initially going to go CJ Allen just because of the impact he had on the defense. But, as we were talking, I just kept remembering, you know, those games where both Brock and Ladd were out. And who was the one guy that Carson could always turn to, made miraculous catches, time in, time out, ran the ball when everybody else was injured, did kick returns when everybody else was injured. He was... Dylan Bell this year is what, you know, he's a light version of what Christian McCaffrey was at Stanford. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you need somebody? Put me in, coach. I got you. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. And... um. I mean, with all the injuries this year, you had to have a guy like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Where where would Georgia be without Dylan Bell this year?
2: Might have had two or three losses. You never know.
1: Yeah, like that Mizzou game, big difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Tennessee game, I think Georgia still beats Tennessee,
2: but it would have been a lot closer.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, last minute change there, but Dylan Bell was the 2023 season breakout player of the year. And Mike has a special award that he wants to give out. Only one nominee. Um,
2: I think but... I think it's the only person that can get this award.
0: Mm. All
2: right. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, clown coach of the year. All right.
1: Uh, and we're not talking about the clown college's football team.
2: No, they would have probably beat, be, you know, better teams. But, uh Ryan Day is our winner for that. Mr. Bourne on third base just keeps taking L's uh, just to kind of go back through the year just to things just for a very punchable face, a very hateable person. Uh, remember, going back, the biggest win for the longest time when Ohio State was the uh, the number one team in the college football playoff was their win over Notre Dame. And if, uh, if you forgot, they ended up winning on a uh, – uh, you know, a goal line run that they had at the very end. Notre Dame forgot to. You know, they needed eleven guys out there. They ran twelve. I'm sorry, ran ten out there like twice. Uh, and what's so, funny
1: is Notre Dame stopped Ohio State with ten guys on the field the first yeah.
2: time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so couldn't do it. Couldn't do it the second time. And uh, remember afterward, he was saying, "Oh, we're a tough team. Rod bill from Ohio. And I can't believe Lou Holtz. So, like he just calling out an 86 year old man that, you know, sounds." Just the same as like Lee Corso. Corso. Um, so that actually made him hateable. It makes Lou hold somewhat likable, which is very, very hard to do. Uh, lost to Michigan for the third year in a row, of course. And uh, two of those years that he lost to Michigan in a row, he had CJ fucking Stroud, which again, we talked about probably the uh, NFL rookie of the year, at least very close to it, future NFL MVP, uh, you know, just doing big things with Houston. Uh, couldn't do that with like a, literally close to an all pro quarterback. Yeah, In, with with like Ameka Abuka and and and, uh, and and Marvin Harrison Jr. and just these like really really good you know skill players uh, couldn't and beat Michigan. Who's the
1: guy that sat out? Jackson Smith and Jigba.
2: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Another first round wide receiver. Yeah. Just it, it, silly. Uh, and Chris Lave, too. Like there was a Garrett Wilson. All of them. Um, couldn't beat Michigan with those guys, and then finally. Lost to Mizzou in the Cotton Bowl because it's something uh, something scary about teams at the black M as we talked about before, um, and really what got me thinking about this and just talking about it in general was just all the all the stuff that I've seen from Ohio State fans, media, things like that about propping this team up for next year. Uh, you know, saying like, "Oh, this is, you know team stacked with all the transfer guys," and th- yeah, they got some they got some transfer portal additions. Uh, Quinshawn Junkins being one. Uh, you know, Will Howard from Kansas state. But if you couldn't win with CJ Stroud, you're not going to win with Will Howard. I'm sorry. I, I don't see it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I also just want to throw out that according to two, four, seven, they're projecting or uh, Ohio state to win the big 10 next year.
2: Of course they are. Well, our boss probably gone. It sounds like he's going to the Chargers, which I I floated out there before. But also, I floated that out there as a destination for Ryan Day. So, so
1: here's the problem with Ohio State winning the Big Ten next year. Um, there's this team, Oregon. there's this team uh, named Oregon that's got Dan Lanning. Um, now they have Dylan Gabriel, top five transfer class out of a team that would have beat Ohio State by 14 points this year
0: mm-hmm
1: so like yeah is ohio state gonna be good sure are they gonna make the 12 team playoff possibly
2: it's maybe possible. maybe uh, the fourth the fourth best big 10 team out
1: yeah i maybe. yeah um but to go from i mean hell urban de- didn't even build that team no no it's it's selling they've sold a finished house three times and still can't find a way to turn the lights on. Mm. That might be my favorite analogy I've come up with on here.
2: That's a good one. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. <laughs> I get that.
1: Yeah. That was, damn. <laughs> I impressed myself a little bit.
2: <laughs> that was profound. Holy shit. <laughs>
1: uh, um, so that's going to do it for the second annual Nothies or Nothing Finer Awards. Um. You know, if you guys like this, let us know. We'll keep doing it next year. If you don't like it, we might still do it next year because we have a good time. Because we're going to
2: forget. We'll forget anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to remind us, like, the week after the season ends because mm-hmm. we will probably forget two days after you send it to us, just being honest.
2: Mm-hmm. Got a lot got a lot going on. Um,
1: Mike, you want to take the coaching news section that we've got?
2: Yeah, so um, since it's been a little bit over a week since we got on or around that, you know, a lot's gone on. We talked about uh, – Nick Saban retiring, we did, you know, recorded like that night when he retired, we talked about some of the coaching candidates and all that. And so we're a little bit late to this party, but uh, Alabama, of course, hired Washington, former Washington head coach, Kalen DeBoer uh, to replace Nick Saban. Uh, He is bringing in his, uh, his offensive coordinator from Washington, Ryan Grubb, which again, if you remember, I think you you were talking about it before the season started about wanting, uh, Nick Saban wanting to get uh, Grubb out there in, uh, in Alabama and wasn't able to pry him away. So, yeah, how, got there eventually. how
1: is that gonna make Saban feel? He's like, damn, I had to retire for you to come out here.
2: <laughs> it, I'm sure he'll be fine.
1: Loyalty, it's yeah. all loyalty to Kalen DeBoer. Like mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer brought Ryan Grubb along with him for his entire coaching career. Like that's that's what it boils down to. So yeah,
0: you mm-hmm.
1: know, not trying to throw unnecessary shade at Nick Saban because he is retired at this point.
2: And um uh... Or Tommy Reese. He, he, not really. I don't care. I was um, gonna
1: say has has LSU hired another offensive coordinator yet?
2: I mean apparently there's no there's no cap on how many different position coaches you can have for the same thing, right?
1: I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying I mean
2: I, yeah, I, in, in Tommy
1: Reese played for Notre Dame, then coached for Brian Kelly. And now he's like a four-hour drive away from coaching for Brian Kelly again. Like, what are the mm-hmm. what are the chances it doesn't happen?
2: Maybe he goes to be an analyst if if nothing else.
1: He's Florida's next offensive coordinator.
2: Oh, nothing would make me happier. One that would. Step be- down. <laughs> um. But then, uh, so Deboer also is uh, in the process. I don't know if it's official yet, but in the process of hiring former South Alabama head coach Kane Womack. It's got to be Kane. To be his defensive coordinator um
1: and this is the same I, south alabama team that beat oklahoma state
2: this mm-hmm. season
1: like held oklahoma state to i believe 13 points so they like legit south alabama yeah. head coach isn't in something to scoff at with how they played this year
2: um counterpoint um i think it was in the bowl game so you know you can take you know, with that, uh, take that with a grain of salt. But I think South Alabama gave up like 52 points to te- to uh, to Texas State, I believe.
1: Texas State was like a top five scoring offense in the country.
2: Counter counterpoint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, there's that. I mean, I thought he. I mean, they they played well. They almost beat uh, Tulane before the uh, before Tulane played Ole Miss too. So I mean, it's it's a solid higher, uh, at least you know, coordinator wise and all that. But this overall cuz we haven't again we haven't really we haven't been on since the uh all that happened what's uh what do you grade this higher how successful do you think Alabama is going to be with uh DeBoer
1: I think it's going to depend a lot on what they're able to do in the transfer portal and how many young guys are able to develop this offseason because mm-hmm. Alabama has had compound interest on their success since 2008 right like Mm -hmm. they were better every year up until the 2021 season it was the first year that they really kind of regressed yeah so Mm -hmm. they've always just kind of been like hey you see how good we are we can make you that good and better but i mean they've had a lot of guys enter the transfer portal since Saban retired their best returning secondary players entertaining the portal um I just, if Kalen DeBoer is able to scheme a 10-win season next year, which is going to be difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. they're playing all of the good teams next year. Yeah. But if he's able to scheme a 10-win season next year, he'll be able to just build on that success. But mm-hmm. if Alabama misses a 12-team playoff next year,
0: ooh, 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 ooh.
1: First off, band fans are gonna be calling for his head year one. But yeah. second, it's gonna be really hard for a guy that's never coached in the SEC to be like, "Hey, I know we just went from the greatest coach of all time to me, and he took a team that was just as talented the one I had as the one I had to the four team playoff, but I missed the twelve team playoff. But I really need your help." Mm-hmm. While Kirby Smart's waiting in the car for Kalen to leave and go talk yeah. to that same guy. <laughs> right. Like that, you know, I, I feel like that's where he's going to struggle if he struggles. But mm. I, probably the best guy that was available and willing to go to Tuscaloosa. Mm.
2: Well, and he was a guy that we had talked about uh, when uh, the A&M job came open. Like, we thought that was a perfect fit for for that job, for that that SEC job. Yeah. It's just, again, I mean, we, we talked about it. You don't want to be the guy after the guy, or guy after the goat. So, I mean, I think he'll be fine. I, I just hope that Alabama fans, uh, you know, have realistic expectations for a guy. Again, we, we he's won everywhere he's been, but he also hasn't been places very long before he to leave. I mean, he's maximized talent and all that. But, you know, all around the country, uh, you know, again, Sioux Falls and I and won a couple championships there. Uh where was he at? beside was, was it San Jose In, State,
1: Indiana, Fresno, and then Washington? That's
2: right. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's kind of he's bounced around a little bit. It's go, I mean, because obviously he's earned the different opportunities that he's gotten. Um, I mean, I think it's good. It's going to be interesting to see what the what air raid type type of system or how he's going to incorporate that with uh the personnel that he has now. I don't think Will Rogers is signed on quite yet because he entered the portal. Uh, he was on the sideline for the Washington game, the Washington National Championship, then he entered the portal again. So I don't know uh, what the uh, quarterback situation is looking like right now. I'm sure they'll address that in the spring, uh, more so when that when that happens. But I mean, it's good. It's good. I like I like de Deboer. It's so interesting.
1: I was th- I was looking it up because I had gotten a uh, Google alert that Jalen Milrow went into the portal, but I see that that was a legitimate. Uh, organization got something from a fake Twitter account oh. and posted it as news. Um, got it think, from like
2: Ballsack Sports or something.
1: Yeah. Um, so thanks, thanks uh, Google Alerts for making me think that no rose in the portal. I, you know, we might have to get Cody back on here in the next couple of weeks to uh, to talk about this situation because I mean he is our Bama guy at this point, so it's going to be one of those. You know, as of today, what are some realistic expectations with the personnel scheme fits?
2: Mm-hmm. We'll I mean, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be wild because like like we were saying, it's an, They do have another whole transfer portal uh, yeah. period, yeah, window. When in addition to the one they have open right now for guys to leave in the spring when uh, spring ball is going on and afterward, they have a whole other one. So this team could be radically different in what, three months? Yeah. Probably I, probably for the worst, especially if all their best defensive players are early leaving. I can't imagine them bringing in equal uh, equal talent, so we'll see. Yeah. Um. Alright, so moving on from there, uh, Georgia hired former Alabama defensive back coach uh, Tavares Robinson as the uh, DB coach and co-defensive coordinator in uh, Georgia, uh, replacing Coach Muschamp, uh, who moves back into an analyst role. He wanted to uh, you know, have more time with his kids and kind of um, enjoy, you know, what time he has left. Not time. Left. He's not. He's not dying, but enjoy <laughs> enjoy, uh, enjoy his family a little bit more, and not have as many day to day responsibilities on the staff. Uh, just worth noting that uh, T Rob was the uh, defensive coordinator under Will Muschamp at South Carolina for four years. The um, defenses were fine. Obviously, it's ran ran by Will Muschamp, so there's a lot of yeah. a lot of familiarity with what. He obviously ran in what Georgia's been running, so
1: Yeah. And that is good. While Muschamp was at South Carolina, the only thing they did well was the defense.
2: Yeah, sure as hell was an offense, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so and you know, on top of him being a co defensive coordinator, it it once like you talked about, gives Muschamp more time with his family because that's one of the th- reasons that he hasn't taken another job um since moving back to Athens. But mm-hmm. you have the recruiting power of his name slipping my mind right now, but the uh, defensive back coach they got from Southern Cal
0: uh,
1: and yeah. the same guy that got all these defensive backs to go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Plus you have the guy that helped a South Carolina team with only a few four stars and mostly three stars to be one of the best defenses in the SEC and Glenn Schumann call in
2: place. It's a win-win. I mean it, and you took away the best recruiter off of Alabama's staff. that They and, have that's a, yeah.
1: And allegedly, T Rob was offered the full DC job at Alabama under Kalen DeBoer before they hired Kane Womack, and um, he decided to go to Athens. So
2: smart guy. He another a, he win, a another win for the good guys. Yep, another uh, he's on the fa- a faster track to that head coaching uh, money at uh, at Georgia than he would have been at Alabama under DeBoer, probably. I mean, I mean Fran Brown got a head coaching job as a DB coach, so yeah. There's a, this pathway there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I I'm really excited about that and especially with um you know having both him and the guy from USC coming in to coach the defensive backs because there will be, you know, the giant holes left in that secondary with losing Kamari Lasseter, Javon Bullard, Tyke Smith. I mean, you're losing three guys that made all-American lists. So Mm -hmm. having both of those guys able to coach them up on top of, obviously, Muschamp and Kirby there, I got a lot less worried about the secondary in the last two weeks.
2: Especially with how well we've recruited the secondary already. Like, I don't know how much better it can get, but – We'll and Julian
1: Humphrey uh, did the hokey pokey and turned himself around and came back to Georgia.
2: Mm-hmm. And we got the uh, the Pope kid from uh, from Alabama as well, the uh, the safety that, if you didn't it's, see the video,
1: it's knocking the shame. shit out of Jermaine Burton. It's a shame Jermaine Burton is going to the NFL to get undrafted.
2: No, he'll, he'll get drafted by the Falcons for sure.
1: Oh, if he gets drafted by the Falcons, he'll be the only guy they passed to, not the guy they took in the first round.
2: any of the first round picks they took right
1: i if you're a falcons fan i want to apologize but Mm -hmm. uh, arthur blank did it to himself by trying to be the head coach and owner at the same time
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that just we'll leave it there because i could go on a whole rant for that i have personal i i'm not going to say personal issues but i've met arthur blank and uh And just got a real slimy, greasy feeling.
2: It's the mustache.
1: No, no, it was, it was just the way he conducted himself, not a fan.
2: Hmm, Okay. Uh, And then one, uh, one other note. Uh, from the uh, coaching carousel a little bit here, because again we don't have Jim Harbaugh news quite yet, but I'm sure that's going to come as soon as we post this. But <laughs> um, so with Kalen uh, DeBoer leaving Washington, they took sorry um, with uh, with DeBoer leaving Washington, hired uh, Arizona coach Jed Fish as their head coach. Which again, we were both like super high on Arizona the last uh, in the second half of the season. I I, uh, I want to renounce my dibs on Arizona as my as my bandwagon team, uh, because uh, fish is more than likely uh, bringing uh, no fafita with him. I would assume nothing's concrete yet, but I, say,
1: I read earlier that depending on who Arizona hires as head coach, no Arizona players are planning on following fish to Washington.
2: Uh, okay, so I dibs. <laughs> um yeah, no, I think they were looking at uh the San Jose State coach is the last thing I saw in passing. I didn't look much into it because again I assumed everybody was gonna go with jetfish. But
1: oh, oh are you about to get cold taked? They posted Uh-oh. it when we started. Uh Brent Brennan. Let me figure out where he coached before San Jose right. State.
2: Oh there we go. Hell yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Football factory. Um, I'll have to do. I'll have to do a deep dive into how San Jose State did over the last few years.
2: Yeah. So. Because
1: I still really want to like Arizona. I do.
2: <laughs> I if well, I mean, if they can keep Fafita. Yeah. I mean
1: the, most of their team were you know underclassmen this year that are coming back. So I, with mm-hmm. the right scheme, they are going to do extremely well in the Big Twelve.
2: Oh, in a wide open Big Twelve without Texas and Oklahoma. Yep. So yeah, that I'm um, I'm looking forward to talking about that that whole league. But uh, one thing I'll other say uh, thing I'll say about Jed Fish is uh, since 1997, he's had 17 different jobs across college uh, and pro football. Oh wow! 17. So he does not have a history of staying in one place very long. Um, wow, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of jobs. So what? That's what. Uh, was that twenty. Twenty seven years. Yep. Basically, every one point something years, something like that. I don't know. I'm not a math guy. We've again never claimed We're to be. We're not a math- a
1: mathologist, guy. You know. No, we've never, uh, never
2: claimed to be that. But that's a lot. That's a lot of jobs. One point
1: the... four years is what he stayed at each job.
2: Crazy. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Washington, I mean, maybe it stops the bleeding for them, so to speak, but uh, yeah, good luck with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, I think we are going to move on to basketball. Um, Georgia barely, barely lost to uh, number five Tennessee on Saturday, 85 79. There was like 40 seconds left, and it was uh, 81 79. And I'm assuming Georgia did that terrible trend that's been in basketball over the last decade or so where, oh, we're down two points. Instead of playing defense, we're just going to immediately foul and give them more points. At,
2: well, college basketball makes a little bit more sense if it's a one and one situation just because it's free throws and it's college kids. But, yeah.
1: I, and I think, yeah. That kind of stuff, I you know, I have a new reason on why I don't watch basketball. Almost every week. But that's one of the... I just can't stand it. Like, hey, play defense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're playing hard physical defense, you're going to get them a foul anyways. But just running up and grabbing the arm and giving them free points when it's a two-point game. Yeah. Like, one steal, one accidentally dribble off the foot, go down, tie the game. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that stuff doesn't happen. Often. I'm just I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm not going to. It's do it. it's
2: it's college basketball. Like the shit yeah. happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Georgia did have a 13 point lead late in the game, but Tennessee was able to put the defensive clamps on in the last four minutes. Um, Dogs played a solid 36 minutes, but it was a 40 minute game, and that loss snapped an 11 game winning streak. That's what that's supposed to say, right?
2: I think it's a ten-game one. I don't know what ten. happened. There.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, for a little little inside the park baseball, there's just a jumble of letters, <laughs> and I just kind of made it up um, from the loss snapped before.
2: in an in, in, in a game. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so ten-game winning streak. Um, Georgia does play at South Carolina. Game, Kate tipped off twelve minutes ago. Right as yeah. of right now. Um, Carolina is 14-2. Georgia plays in Lexington against number eight Kentucky soon. Um, team's playing well as long as neither Mike or I watch or listen. Um, mm-hmm. So what I do is when I know a game is tipped off, I check ESPN out every 15-20 minutes or so just to kind of get a feel of how it's going. The group chat lets us know, which is nice. Yep. Um, but it's just refreshing to have a team that actually plays instead of just tries to win a game of horse like they did under Tom cream
2: Right, yeah, exactly.
1: Can someone Can someone please get to Mike White and be like, hey, um, there's these guys that really want to watch basketball, but every time they turn the game on, you guys start to shit the bed. So, please stop shitting the bed. Either be bad the whole time or be good the whole time. But, like, as soon as you guys do bad, just say, damn, Mike and John must have just turned it on. All right, yeah. guys, timeout, timeout. Let's figure this out. Let's figure it out.
2: So, for uh, for the record, Georgia is, it is tied 7-7 right now. Uh, 15 left.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I'll take that.
2: Hmm. Um, I want to say Carolina was like a Four point favorite This morning when I looked at it when I realized they were playing it
1: Yeah I looked at it Right before we got on and I was like I'll remember To uh, not watch that game
2: (laughs) Noted I'll watch it uh, on replay If they win
1: But that's going to do it for us tonight Guys as always um, Remember there Follow our social media at nothing.finder.pod On twitter at finerpod on Or nope other way around at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram, at FinderPod on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, just search us there. Um and don't vote. forget to vote for us on Connect Savannah. The uh, nomination period is coming to an end here shortly, and then you yeah. can vote and the votes count, but the nominations also count, so please don't forget to do that. Help us out. Um if you want to help out in any more ways, rate and review the show five stars. Um send us a screenshot, and we'll send you a sticker. But always remember, there is nothing finer in the land
2: than a drunk Knox Shortage of your